Let us go into the house of the Lord. I'm Pastor Michael Lilienthal, and today we're going to be discussing Christmas. Uh, We've been talking about Advent for the last several weeks, and Advent, in one sense, does lead up to this high festival of Christmas. I want to read just briefly from uh, the book. I've read from this before, Ceremony and Celebration by Paul H.D. Lang, uh, reading about Christmas. He says, The feast of the Nativity of our Lord, December 25th, ranks as one of the feasts or highest festivals in the church year and has an octave. That is, it is celebrated for eight days. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that idea of an octave in a little bit, but uh, one of the things that also comes out uh, of this, as he remarks later on, is that um, three Christmas services are celebrated. One at midnight, the second, early on Christmas morning, and the third, later on Christmas morning. This is a theme that comes out through these feasts. There are three primary feasts, or the highest festivals of the church year, uh, and those are Christmas, Easter, and Pentecost. You can loosely associate those with the Trinity. Christmas, celebrating the work of the Father, Easter, celebrating the work of the Son, and Pentecost, celebrating the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, that's a little bit of a false division there because all three persons of the Trinity are at work in each of those three occasions, but it's convenient to to think of them in those terms. But then with each of those feasts, there are three services for the day. Traditionally, a, a vigil, an evening service before, then... Uh, a morning service, and then a later morning service. Uh, the, this first morning service is sometimes called a dawn service. It's perhaps most most popularly used around Easter time, where you have an Easter dawn, uh, then the Easter day service. Uh, it's it's a tradition for Christmas as well. Now, as it said, the midnight service is, is uh, traditional for Christmas Eve. It's becoming more and more popular uh, and has been more popular for, for many years now to have that Christmas Eve service be earlier in the evening, somewhere around 7 or 8 o'clock. And that's what we do at Our Savior's Christmas Eve is a 7 o'clock service rather than a midnight service. Uh, if ever anybody wanted to do the, the midnight service, I'd be happy to oblige, but uh, just because that's where the attendance comes in and, and people are joyful to come to that Christmas Eve service at 7 o'clock, that's, that's our tradition. Uh, and so we do the Christmas Eve or Christmas Vigil uh, at 7 o'clock on the 24th, um, and then Christmas Dawn at 6 a.m. on Christmas Day, and then the second Christmas Day service at 9 a.m. on the same day. I'll be going through each of those three services uh, in this episode as we discuss this festival of Christmas. Uh, I want to talk about why uh, the Christmas Eve service is properly part of this festival service, though, very briefly. And that's because in a lot of ways, the Christian church inherited uh, a way of numbering days the same way that the Jews do or the Israelites do. Uh, this goes all the way back to creation, that each time God created something on, on a given day, it says there was evening and there was morning, day one. There was evening and there was morning, the second day, and so on and so forth. Uh, it starts with the evening. When the sun sets, that's the beginning of the next day. Uh, and that's why, too, when you look at the account of uh, Jesus when uh, at his crucifixion, when the sun was setting, uh, they wanted to, to get him off the cross because soon it was going to be the Passover. Uh, as soon as the sun set, it was the, it was the Passover, so they had to get him off the cross before uh, that occurred, um, and so that's that's why Christmas Eve, as soon as the sun sets, it's Christmas. It's it's already the day the feast day of, of Christmas, uh, but we have those three services for those three high feasts. Uh, again, emphasizing the Trinity idea here. It's uh, the Triune God is all over in the way we celebrate these feasts. So I'm going to take each of these. Uh, 
these services one by one, starting with Christmas Vigil. Uh, Christmas Vigil is going to occur on the the, the night before Christmas, uh, the 24th. Uh, and we'll refer to this idea about it being traditionally done at midnight. That uh, that does come uh, out of the introit for the day. Uh, this is a fascinating idea that comes through this introit. Uh, the introit for Christmas Eve, uh, and I I don't know how much I've talked about the introit before. It's it's um, it was traditionally the part of the service that began the service. Uh, in uh, later revisions, especially with with Luther, it, the service would begin more with. Um, uh, the service of preparation being the the confession of sin and invocation, uh, other things like that before the introit. But when we come to the introit itself, um, that that was where the the people were entering. Well, the the priest was entering uh, into the sanctuary. Um, it, it highlighted the the, the way. Um, People were able to come into the presence of God and and enter before Him. Uh, we we see uh, this occurring in in these medieval churches that uh, the the intro would be sung by the the choir perhaps while the priest was processing forward and entering into the chancel. Um, it was the song that highlighted the mood of the day uh, as he entered. Um, so that's that's something that uh, that's a key thought here. But for for um, for Christmas Eve, it's a, it's an interesting intro it because uh, the intro it says, "When all was still and it was midnight, your almighty word, O Lord, descended from the royal throne. The Lord reigns; he is clothed with majesty. The Lord said to me, 'You are my son. Today I have begotten you.'" Uh, and then the intro it always ends with the Gloria Patri, glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, forevermore. Amen. When we look at this uh, at Christmas Eve intro it it's relatively unique among the introits in the Christian church because most often the intro it is a selection from a psalm uh it, it comes from uh one of the psalms and and part of this intro it does come from a psalm that uh you are the Lord said to me you are my son today I have begotten you that comes from Psalm 2. Psalm 2, verse 7. I will proclaim the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. And by putting this intro at here, we're confessing that what that psalm is saying is uh, the Lord has begotten Jesus, the son from eternity. You are my son. Today being the eternal day, I have begotten you. Uh, and that son, that eternal son is the one who comes uh, on Christmas, the one who was born. And that's where the, the second part of this, which is really the first part of the intro, it comes in. When all was still and it was midnight, your almighty word, O Lord, descended from the royal throne. That uniquely comes from the Apocrypha. Uh, Lutherans might tend to, to rebel against that idea of something being quoted from the Apocrypha, but uh, Luther himself saw the value in the Apocrypha not as being equal to Scripture, but as being useful to read. Uh, and godly in many senses. Uh, this one comes from the book, The Wisdom of Solomon in the Apocrypha, chapter 18, verses 14 and 15. Uh, the uh, translation I have from the uh, New Oxford Annotated Apocrypha, which is the New Revised Standard Version, says this in those verses, For while gentle silence enveloped all things, and night in its swift course was now half gone, your all-powerful word leaped from heaven from the royal throne into the midst of the land that was doomed, a stern warrior. 
uh, and it goes on and talks about this warrior of God's word that comes uh, to the world. It's it's kind of a, a very interesting insight from a, a book of the Bible that or a book that's not of the Bible, a book that's not scripture, uh, but is uh, just a godly book. It, it demonstrates a, an understanding of uh, the incarnation before it happened, uh, that this would be God becoming flesh. And that reflects on uh, John's gospel when he says, uh, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. And then in verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's what this intro it is saying. Uh, on Christmas Eve, midnight, the the word descended from the throne and, and was born. Uh, the word of God became uh, present in the world. He he clothed himself with the ultimate stages of, of flesh and was born from Mary's womb. Uh, in order to save us. Uh, it, it, the, the theme of Christmas is the incarnation, uh, and that comes here with the eternal God, the, the eternally begotten Son of God is born of a woman. And the intro it already brings that up. Um, I want to look at the uh, scripture passages, as we always do for Christmas Vigil. The Old Testament is from Isaiah 7, 10 through 14. And this is also going to key into that theme of the, <clears throat> of the incarnation of the Son of God. Isaiah 7, 10 through 14. The Lord spoke to Ahaz again. He said, Ask for a sign from the Lord your God. Ask for it either in the depths below or in the heights above. But Ahaz responded, I will not ask. I will not test the Lord. So Isaiah said, Listen now, you house of David. Is it not enough for you to test the patience of men? Will you test the patience of my God as well? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and call him Emmanuel. The ultimate point of that lesson is in that verse 14, the virgin conceives, Mary conceives, gives birth to a son, and we call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel is Hebrew, means God with us. Again, the eternally begotten Son of God is with us in the flesh, born of a virgin. This comes out of Ahaz refusing to ask for a sign. He God offers to let him ask, uh, but Ahaz feigns piety, pretends to be pious. Uh, and God gives him this sign anyway. We think of Christmas time as being uh, the time of peace and joy, but he, we also have to reflect on this, that this is the warrior who has come to be born. God himself is here. This is a moment of awe to really have in all of this. We move on then to the epistle lesson, which comes from Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 14. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people. It trains us to reject ungodliness and worldly lusts, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, while we wait for the blessed hope that is the glorious appearance of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness, and to purify for himself a people who are his own chosen people, eager to do good works. Once again, this uh, the, the idea of God appearing comes out here. Uh, the grace of God has appeared. Jesus is that grace of God. He's the one in whom it appeared because he gave himself for us, and he's going to appear again. Once again, we get that tension of, of Advent, the Advent of the one who came, but who will come again, and we're still hoping for that. Because he came once, we know that he's going to come again. So we see our hopes realized. We see our faith certain in this epistle lesson. And that leads then ultimately to the gospel lesson for the Christmas vigil, which is Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 14. This should sound very familiar. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governing Syria. 
And everyone went to register, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the town of Nazareth, into Judea, to the town of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was from the house and family line of David. He went to be registered with Mary, his wife, who was pledged to him in marriage and was expecting a child. And so it was that while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. There were, in that same country, shepherds staying out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. Today in the town of David a Savior was born for you. He is Christ, the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly there was with the angel a multitude from the heavenly army, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward mankind. Familiar Christmas story that comes out there already on the Christmas vigil. Think of this again being a midnight service. It's not going to be at Our Savior's, but perceive it that way. And at 7 p.m. we kind of get the same effect. It's dark. It's deep darkness outside. And in that deep darkness, the brightness of the angels shows. And they show to bring a greater light. The greatest light of Jesus himself. The salvation of the whole world. The light of God is brought out uh, in in that message uh, of the angels. Uh, so in the gloom of night, and this Advent season has been dark. We've got that violent, violet color throughout this, this whole Advent season. But now that's broken and we change it to white. The white color is the is the symbol of the, the holiness of Jesus, the purity of Jesus, and he comes to bring that purity to us as well. I want to point out here that uh, in the uh, the Old Testament lectionary of Pastor Glenn Obenberger, uh, this is one of the few cases where he doesn't actually have an Old Testament lesson for us to read, uh, but instead uh, a, a New Testament lesson. And for Christmas, he says, uh, he, he doesn't have a specific division between Christmas Vigil and the first Christmas Day and the second Christmas Day services, but instead just one Christmas. And, and he says, uh, for the reference for this, just Luke 2, 1 through 14. So here the uh, the Old Testament lectionary would fit right with the uh, the Christmas Vigil service, Christmas Eve service. Uh, and so that's where his themes come out uh, in this uh, this set of uh, festivals. So looking at uh, the service for the Christmas Vigil, we're going to use the Vespers service, which is an hourly service, one of those that uh, was the, the planets uh, around the, the uh, Sunday morning service, the divine service. Uh, it's, it's going to serve as a preparation for the Christmas Day services with this, this Vespers service. And that service, uh, it's on page 120 in the, the hymnary, and it begins with the confession of sin. After we confess our sins, we sing a hymn. And we're going to sing hymn 115, All My Heart Sings and Rejoices. And then we go through versicles uh, and sing a psalm. The, the point of these daily services was uh, initially to sing the psalms. That's, that's what it was all about. Um, so what we're going to do with the psalms here, and it says one to three psalms, psalm paraphrases or anthems may be sung. Uh, uh, so what we're going to do here is uh, sing Psalm 2, which is uh, that same one that uh, has the, um, the part of the intro at uh, You Are My Son to get Today, I Have Begotten You. We'll sing that psalm. Immediately after that, we'll sing... Uh, hymn 127, I Am So Glad When Christmas Comes. It's not really a, a psalm paraphrase, but uh, it's it's a hymn. Uh, it's a Christmas Eve hymn. 
I am so glad when Christmas comes. It's a good old Norwegian tune. Jeg er so glad ved julekveld. It's just delightful. We'll sing that. Uh, then I will sing the intro, which is from the Psalms, when all was still and it was midnight and so forth. Uh, and then we have the glory be to the Father that concludes that. So that's that's what we're going to kind of do to tie in the intro with all of that. We'll sing the psalm, the hymn, then the intro with the glory be to the Father to follow that. Uh, so after that, we have the lection. We'll read the three lessons with responsory that follows. Then hymn 115, again, we'll sing some more uh, verses of that. We're going to divide these verses up uh, for all my heart sings and rejoices. Um, then the sermon, following the sermon, we'll, we'll sing the last few verses of All My Heart Sings and Rejoices. We have the offering. Versicle, let my prayers rise before you as incense, and the lifting up of my hands is the evening sacrifice. That leads to this whole idea of the uh, the, the singing of psalms once again. We, we sing these psalms, and that's in place of the sacrifices. This is, this is kind of a key idea because these uh, matins and vespers services, morning and evening services, more or less take the place of... Uh, the morning and evening sacrifices in the temple. And we replace them now with these these prayers. But the, these prayers that we offer as sacrifices are purely in response uh, to the sacrifice of Christ that is now given to us as sacrament. Um, that's why it comes following the sermon that we, we pray that way. The canticle that we sing is the Magnificat, Mary's song. We'll sing that one. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Uh, and we'll we'll sing it that way. We go on to the, the Kyrie, uh, the Lord's Prayer, we sing, then we sing collects. Um, we'll sing one of the evening collects, and then we'll, we'll uh, sing the collect for Christmas Eve uh, as well. Following that is the Benedicamus, let us bless the Lord, thanks be to God, then the benediction, the ap- apostolic benediction in this case, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. And we close the uh, Christmas Eve service by singing Silent Night. What you'll notice about a, a, a vigil service is it's very much, uh, or a Vesper service, it's all sung. <laughs> it's so much music in these services. Uh, and that's something that's uh, just fantastic and phenomenal uh, to to enjoy, especially this Christmas Eve idea. We're joining with the angels in singing. Uh, they, they came to sing this blessed news. So we're going to start off by singing all of this as well. With that in mind, uh, another uh, interesting feature here is, uh, now I read the the gospel lesson from the EHV like I normally do, but uh, there's a resource out there that uh, follows a tradition of Luther's uh, that is to sing the gospel. Uh, Luther said that uh, next to being well-versed in the word of God, a pastor should be able to sing. Um, (laughs) And it's uh, going to be something emphasized in this uh, these Christmas services for the Christmas Eve service that that Christmas gospel of Luke 2 1 through 14 uh, there is a musical setting of that in the King James version which is probably more familiar to people and it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed and this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria and so forth and it goes on um, but that'll be sung and it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus and it goes on like that so to have that sung right in the middle of the service as well really emphasizes the high point. Now, the rest of it is going to be sung later as well, going through verse 20. Uh, but I'll talk about that in, uh, in, in as we go on in this in this episode. But that's the Christmas vigil service. Next, I want to talk about the, um, the Christmas dawn service is how I'm going to call it. Um, and that one is the, the first service of Christmas. So let's let's talk about the um, the, the readings 
once again to start for the the Christmas dawn service. First, uh, the Old Testament again comes from Isaiah chapter 9 verses 2 through 7. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. For those living in the land of the shadow of death, the light has dawned. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you like the joy at harvest time, like the celebration uh, when people divide the plunder. For you have shattered the yoke that burdened them. You have broken the bar on their shoulders and the rod of their oppressor, as you did on the day of Midian. Every boot that marched in battle and the garments rolled in blood will be burned. They will be fuel for the fire. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. The authority to rule will rest on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no limit to his authority, no end to the peace he brings. He will rule on David's throne and over his kingdom and to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from now on into eternity. The zeal of the Lord of Armies will accomplish this. That uh, gets across this uh, th th this connection. You you'll see all three of these services are connected. The light comes out, and that light is this child who is born. And we get that uh, familiar phrase from Handel's Messiah. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. I'm not going to sing the whole thing, but it's fantastic. Um, wonderful counselor. Yeah, okay, I'm going to stop. Uh, it's just exciting. It's fantastic. I'm going to stop saying fantastic. Anyway, it's so good. Uh, and then we lead into uh, Hebrews. The epistle lesson is uh, Hebrews 1, 1 through 12, right at the beginning of the epistle to the Hebrews. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers by the prophets at many times and in many ways. In these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact imprint of the divine nature. He sustains all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he took his seat at the right hand of the majesty on high. The son became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you. And again, I will be his father and he will be my son. And again, when he brought his firstborn into the world, he said, Let all God's angels worship him. About the angels, he says, he makes his messengers winds and his ministers flaming fire. But about the sun, he says, God, your throne is forever and ever. And the scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God has anointed you with the oil of joy beyond your companions. And he says, in the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundation of the earth and the heavens are the works of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all become like old, like a garment. You will roll them up like a robe. And they will be changed like a garment, but you are the same, and your years will never end. You can detect a number of parallels between this epistle lesson and that uh, Old Testament lesson, the, the rolling up like a garment, the bloodstained garments in Isaiah pointing out the, the peace that comes after this war. But again, that's, that's the same idea here. The whole heavens and the earth are going to be rolled up like a garment on the last day. Again, we're anticipating the second coming of Christ and that eternity that he ushers in. Uh, also, we get that uh, idea of the sun being the radiance of God's glory, that, that light that is the sun. And we've got that uh, quote from Psalm 2 in here as well, that intro from Christmas Eve. It's, it's connected. It's all connected here. So, yes, we're pointing to the, uh, the glory of the sun, the power of the sun. Um, and that's, that's the theme of this dawn service. The sun is the everlasting God himself, the word of God. And that's where we come now to the gospel lesson. I mentioned this before, um, what this gospel lesson is going to talk about, but it's John 1, 1 through 14. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, everything was made. And without him, not one thing was made that has been made. In him was life, and the life was the light of mankind. 
The light is shining in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as an eyewitness to testify about the light, so that everyone would believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. The real light that shines on every everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not recognize him. He came to what was his own, yet his own people did not accept him. But to all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. They were born not of blood or of the desire of the flesh or of a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and dwelled among us. We have seen his glory. The glory he has is the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. More parallels. The light is the Son of God, the eternal word, that powerful God himself who comes to us to give us that grace and truth. And all these themes are tied together in uh, the, the dawn service, uh, and, and it brings some beautiful ideas together. Um, I, I want to mention here that uh, for this Advent season, we've been following a series called Behold the Child. It's published by Concordia Publishing House, uh, and the, uh, the nativity uh, sermon that they have is based on this gospel text. Uh, so it will be preached, uh, that sermon will be preached for this dawn service. The theme of that sermon is God has pitched his tent with you so that you behold his grace. It's it's a delightful paradox that God humbles himself so that you can see him. Uh, and in that, you see his grace, you see his glory as well. Uh, that, that God makes himself approachable by becoming one of us. He, he should come to us in wrath, but he comes to us in grace by clothing himself in flesh. Uh, and we see that uh, in this gospel text, in this this whole um, section for this this Sunday. Now, for, for this dawn service of Christmas, we're going to be following Rite 1. I've talked about that one before. And Rite 1 uh, begins once again with that prayer uh, that with the, and then the hymn. Uh, we're going to sing hymn 133, O come all ye faithful. We're going to sing a lot of Christmas hymns. <laughs> it's going to be great. Uh, then uh, we're going to be singing for this, the, the chief hymn, hymn 143, The Happy Christmas Comes one more, Once More. We'll sing a few verses of that. Then there, there's this tradition on uh, festival Sundays with that right one to sing a festival verse before the preaching of the sermon. And that is going to be hymn 142, Rejoice, Rejoice, This Happy Morn. Uh, that's the festival verse appointed for Christmas itself. Uh, for the distribution, we're going to be singing hymn 123. Uh, and we're going to sing uh, for, for this dawn service. Uh, I'm, we're not going to sing more than 12 verses. I doubt we're going to get that many anyway. Um, but uh, that's, I, I think, a, a really neat idea to have uh, that, that verse uh, preaching the incarnation that here Jesus is in the manger, but there as we are partaking of the sacrament, we see him uh, in the bread and the wine. Uh, then for the Thanksgiving hymn after that, we're going to finish singing the last three verses of hymn 123 because you can't go without those three verses. Ah, dearest Jesus, holy child, make thee a bed soft undefiled within my heart that it may be a quiet chamber kept for thee. By faith, we hold Jesus in our hearts. Our heart becomes the manger. Uh, and as we received him in the sacrament, we ask him to take up residence there in our heart. My heart for very joy doth leap. My lips no more can silence keep. I too must sing with joyful tongue that sweetest ancient cradle song. Glory to God in highest heaven, who unto us his son hath given. While angels sing with pious mirth a glad new year to all the earth. Uh, we're reflecting the song of the angels there. Once we've received uh, Jesus into our hearts, uh, we, we sing with that same joy. When we go through the end of the, the communion liturgy, we get to the uh, conclusion of the service, the closing hymn. It's going to be joy to the world. Uh, and with that rambunctious joy before we get to the, the day service at nine o'clock. Um, 
In there, too, I, I, I neglected to mention this, that the psalm for uh, the day is Psalm 98, and that one is in our hymnary. Uh, we're going to be singing that. It's on page 187 to, to tone one. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. And it's going to go on like that. We sing a new song. We sing, we sing, we sing. Okay, I, I can't emphasize that enough, how much we sing because of what God has done, the marvelous things. It goes on to talk about his right arm, and that's always talking about the Son of God, the right arm that accomplishes these things, gives him the victory. It's that glorious Son who, by, who to win the victory, humbled himself. It's a theology of the cross that comes through in all of this as well. As we sing that joyous victory, we recognize the cross that comes out. So that's the dawn service. The last service for this uh, Christmas uh, three service set uh, is going to be at nine o'clock, and we're going to use Rite 4 for this. Rite 4 is a service that's based on the Deutsche Messe of Luther, the, the German Mass, um, so by by that account, it's it's one of the oldest services we have, um, but it's uh, found on page one hundred seven in the hymnary, and it's just one page uh, for the the chorale service is another name for it. Uh, this this chorale service uh, emphasizes the singing of Lutheran chorales, which is a, a Lutheran invention, the special hymns that. Uh, uh, pro- proclaim the gospel in in powerful verse for the whole congregation to sing. Um, but okay, so the the structure of this, uh, I'm just going to kind of go through this piece by piece. It's got uh, uh, it's 19 parts really is, is how it goes. Uh, starting with the invocation, uh, followed by hymn 138, Joy to the World. So linking once again to the dawn service. We, we ended that one singing Joy to the World. We're going to begin this one singing Joy to the World, or just bridging straight across. Uh, we follow Confession and Absolution uh, that starts the service. Uh, then we sing the, the intro. At the intro at for Christmas Day uh, comes from that Isaiah passage from earlier. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and government will be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And then the Psalm 98. O sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, forevermore. Amen. Uh, once again, uh, linking the, the services that way. Um, we sing the Kyrie, but for the Kyrie, we're going to sing a hymn, uh, and that's going to be hymn 121, two verses, verses one and five, behold, a branch is growing. And there's, there's a reason for, for choosing those as, uh, the Kyrie, um, we're, we're going to sing about the, the prophecy that this branch that's growing, uh, springing from, from Jesse is Jesus, that he's coming. And then verse 5, the, the closing verse of that hymn, O Savior, child of Mary, who felt our human woe, O Savior, King of glory, who dost our weakness know, bring us at length, we pray, to the bright courts of heaven and to the endless day. It reflects more or less the same uh, concept behind uh, a Kyrie, Lord have mercy, that Jesus is human with us. He understands our suffering. He understands our pain, our weakness, our woe. And so we ask him to bring us out of it, to bring us his mercy, which is why he came in the first place. Then we sing Gloria. For the Gloria, we're going to sing another hymn, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, Glory to the Newborn King. So we get that song of the Gloria in a Christmas hymn brought out here. We pray the collect uh, for the day. Uh, Then we read the epistle lesson. Well, let me read the collect. Uh, I I should do that uh, for this um, Christmas day. Uh, It's collect number 10 in the front part of the hymnary. On page 148, 
Grant, we beseech you, Almighty God, that the new birth of your only begotten Son in the flesh may set us free who are held in the old bondage under the yoke of sin. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one true God, now and forever. Amen. That uh, collect, uh, the freedom, is, is what we're looking for. That Jesus bound himself to the flesh to free us to eternal life. Uh, it's that, that trade that comes through. Following the collect, uh, no Old Testament lesson for, for the chorale service here. We just go straight to the epistle, uh, and that's Titus 3, 4 through 7. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior toward mankind appeared, he saved us, not by righteous works that we did ourselves, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs in keeping with the hope of eternal life. Uh, that freedom, that mercy, that uh, grace, the renewal that comes through, it's connected to baptism. That's how we receive it, that washing of rebirth and the renewal by the Holy Spirit. That's baptism that's talking about. That saves us. Uh, he pours it out through Jesus Christ. The only reason that that baptism affects anything in us is because of what Jesus did, uh, and it's by his grace. So we become co-heirs with Jesus, that that God himself, the Prince of Heaven, becomes our brother. So we get to join in that uh inheritance of eternal life with him uh we sing the the chief hymn after the epistle going to be hymn 137 O little town of bethlehem recalling uh that uh that nativity once again and that leads right to the gospel and this gospel is going to be uh luke 2 15 through 20 picking up where where the christmas eve gospel left off and again this is where that singing is going to uh pick up so it's going to be in the king james version i'll read it uh, and it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all, all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Uh, so, yes, that will be sung by the pastor again on uh, that uh, Christmas Day service, uh, fitting right in with the, the theme of singing everything for, for Christmas Day. Um, so that uh, that gospel finishing out the, uh, the nativity story. Uh, and this gospel uh, emphasizes the seeing of Jesus, that the shepherds heard the message on Christmas Eve. Then they went and saw uh, the Savior. So we're going to go see the Savior who is in our flesh. We see him in the flesh. Uh, following the, that gospel, we sing the creed. Uh, and it's going to be the creed hymn. Uh, hymn number 38. We all believe in one true God. That's Luther's creed hymn that he wrote uh, specifically to paraphrase the uh, Nicene Creed, which really emphasizes the, the Son of God and it's appropriate for festivals. I mentioned that before. The Nicene Creed is appropriate for festivals. We sing it again for the chorale service. That's uh, the chorale version of it. Uh, before the, the preaching of the sermon, we'll sing uh, as a festival verse, hymn 142 again, Rejoice, Rejoice, This Happy Morn. The sermon will be based on that Luke 2, 15 through 20 passage, um, continuing that the, the, the theme of, uh, of the nativity. Pray of the church and the offering will follow. Then the exhortation before the, the communion service. We pray the Lord's Prayer. We sing the Lord's Prayer together, the table prayer for uh, communion. Then the, the words of institution with the consecration uh, and then the distribution. And at the distribution, we'll sing a couple hymns 
uh, hymn 134, let us all with gladsome voice the idea that we're going to see Jesus again here. And we do in the sacrament. Uh, it's not just seeing him in the manger or remembering that he was born in the ma- and laid in the manger, but we go see him in the sacrament as well. Uh, and following that, um, it's a, a shorter hymn. Then we'll sing hymn 313, I come, O Savior, to thy table, uh, which is a favorite in, in this congregation. And so we'll, we'll sing that for this special Christmas service as well. We pray a collect. Uh, of thanksgiving. We hear the benediction, the Aaronic benediction, and we close with hymn 147. While shepherds watch their flocks by night. Uh, the the shepherds hearing this and hearing the angel message, we we recall that message from the the Christmas Eve service, tying it all back together again uh, before we close the service. Um, So that's that's the the three-part Christmas festival. the three-part Christmas festival gets, again, the Trinity idea across the message of the salvation of God. Um, I, I mean, what more is there to say? It's the joyful Christmas message that Jesus was born to save us from our sins uh, so that we might be co-heirs with him uh, and inherit eternal life in heaven so that when we die, we are, are born into heaven. And on the last day, our bodies will also rise to, to be joined with our spirits. Uh, and as a whole person, we will uh, live in that blissful eternity uh, with God as our brother. Jesus as as our brother, as he is now. And we have that promise already with us in the means of grace. Uh, and the, the message of Christmas gives us the confident joy and peace in all of that. Uh, so I, I hope you uh, enjoyed this episode and are excited, as excited for Christmas as I am. I, I am ready for it. It's going to be wonderful. Uh, so a blessed Christmas to all of you. You can contact the show on tapestryradio.org slash Lord's House uh, or me on Twitter at M-G-L-I-L-I-E-N-T-H-A-L. Uh, but until next time, peace be within you. Obscurantism and obfuscation. Orally observed, gentle listener. Gentle listener. Gentle listener. Gentle listener. Obviated objects of oblivion. Obambulating about. Offered unto you. Offered unto you. Offered unto you. In the Tapestry Radio Network. Tapestryradio.org. From From our our fancy fancy to to yours. yours.